Andy Stanley has been in hot water with the news lately because he hosted the unconditional conference at his church and people were confused on if he was going to come out as quote unquote affirming of the LGTV community or if he was going to stick to a New Testament Christian ethic. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. He was very direct in saying that he has caused confusion around this topic. He took ownership of that. And after hosting the Unconditional Conference, which platformed two different LGTV Christians who are married to the same sex and who hold the view that you can be a practicing Christian and married to the same sex, people were rightfully upset. Al Mohler wrote a whole article to him. And Andy Stanley finally responded in a message this weekend. We're going to be looking at some of it, but let me just tell you guys this. Dr. Michael Brown did a great breakdown of this on his broadcast today, and I would recommend for you guys to check that out. He's been in communication with Andy Stanley for a while, for years, really just trying to get to the bottom of can he clearly and with conviction say that all same-sex relationships are outside of God's design? And Andy Stanley wouldn't give him an answer. And he kind of gave an answer this week, but you guys should really check out Dr. Michael Brown's video on this because I think he goes really in-depth. He goes over all their correspondence, the clarity, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so honor God with your body. This is what we teach because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So he says, honor God with your body, your temple of the Holy Spirit. This is from the 11 a.m. service, okay, uh, of the big service that he came out with. And again, I'm going to listen to it, and I'm going to give you guys my thoughts. And again, a lot of what he says here is good. Okay, but there's some things that he says here that are... Mm. Because your body is what demonstrates to the rest of the world who you are and whose you are. You've been bought with the price, Paul says. So honor God in your body. Your behavior matters. Number two, don't be mastered by anything. Okay, your behavior matters. Honor God with your body. This is, I believe he's echoing, what is it, 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, best sexual immorality. Whether it's a sexual addiction, a person... Don't be mastered by anything. You already have a master. That's good. Yes and amen. loves you. Yes. And number three, the old-fashioned. Don't sexualize a relationship outside of marriage. This is so old-fashioned. I mean, are there dinosaurs still roaming the earth? Who even <laughs> teaches this? I mean, sex is just for married people. Does anybody still? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we still teach it. <laughs> a lot of people teach it. Uh, I would argue that there's a huge utility aspect to it, but it's also the way God designed it, and it's also good because God said so. And so, yeah, honor God with your body. Um, don't be mastered by anything, and reserve intimacy in that way between marriage. And he's going to be very specific here, okay? Has sex outside of marriage made your life better or more complicated? That's a great question, right? Now, I think it would depend on who you ask, to be fair, because he said, has it made your life better or more complicated? I mean, I could ask Adam 22 the same exact question, and he would probably say, man, I've enjoyed much pleasure from, you know, sleeping around multiple women. And uh, But he's going to say most people are going to say it makes your life more complicated, which I would agree with. Most people engaging with intimacy outside of marriage are going to probably concede that it's not a net positive to their life. And has sex outside of marriage made the person you had sex with, did it make their life better 
or did it ultimately make their life more complicated? Hey, has sex outside of marriage made you a liar for life? Because you'll never tell the truth about your past. This is a good question because he said sex outside of marriage make you a life for life because you never tell the truth about your past. I started instantly thinking, is he saying that people are downplaying like the number of partners they had? Then I started thinking about it from the perspective of like the number of, uh, you know, your body count and all that. Kind of, like, where was he going with this? Like, are sex outside, I'm talking about, you know, liar for life. So is he alluding that most people are going to suppress some of the information about their their history? I don't know. I don't know what he meant by that, but. I think he's I think he's right. At the end of the message, at least at one campus where I was, people broke out clapping like, yeah, and I'm like, wow, I did not expect that. But you know what? Intuitively, we know this. So of course this would be the standard. And in our church, we call everybody to that standard. Along these same lines, we affirm So he said we call everybody to that. Now here's the part, and I went back and listened. Apparently, this next part is not in the first service. Now, I, I'm going to assume that maybe it was just a slip-up. Maybe he didn't uh, intentionally do this. But this next part is not is not in the original 9 a.m. service. All three of the Apostle Paul's statements on the topic of same-sex sex. Romans. All three. He says, all, I affirm all, Paul, Paul's all three of his New Testament standards of same-sex. Okay, all three. So he's going to go over Romans 1. 1, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Timothy 1. He references this. And we affirm exactly what the Apostle Paul says. In other words, what the Apostle Paul called sin was sin then, and it's sin now. Andy Stanley says what the Apostle Paul called sin then, same-sex intimacy, is sin then and is sin now. And we and he affirms that position. So 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 here, this is good. He's coloring within the lines of what we would call a New Testament sex ethic. I would say props to him. That's awesome. He's finally being clear. Regarding marriage, when we talk, and I really feel foolish kind of saying this, but I, I want to be clear. When we talk about marriage, you know this if you've been coming to our church, we talk about marriage the way that Jesus did. Okay. And the way the apostles did. Amen. Every instruction in the Bible regarding marriage. Every instruction in the Bible regarding marriage references or assumes a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. That's that's beautiful. Yes. Every single time in the New Testament we're talking about marriage, we're talking about a husband and a wife. Amen. So biblical marriage is between a man and a woman. Amen. We don't blink when we say that. We don't biblical marriage is between a man and a woman. Yes and amen to that. He says he affirms all of the apostles Paul all the apostle Paul's uh, statements about homosexuality, yes and amen to that. Pull back when we say that. We don't readjust the words when we say that, even in the culture that we did that. Amen. And here's something you don't know. Okay, so, 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 so is there a plot twist coming? I'm grateful that he's brought some clarity to this. I'm going to share some other thoughts about this in a moment. So you got to watch till the end. But I'm grateful that he's at least clarified this. Gay attenders of our church are not shocked that we talk about marriage that way. They expect that. They so he said, the folks who are same-sex attracted at his church don't aren't, aren't shocked that they talk about marriage in that way. Okay, I'll take your word for it. He said they expect that. Now listen to what he says next. They grew up on that. Okay. They hoped for that. They hoped for that, amen. They prayed. Okay. They prayed that God would change them. Okay. So they can experience that. Okay. And God did not 
answer their prayer. And God did not answer their prayer. Okay. So two things are happening here. The first thing is that he's saying that this is clear as day in our local church, guys. Everybody who's same-sex attracted to the church, they know, they know that this is our standard. They know that whenever we talk about marriage, we're talking about it from the presupposition that it's between a man and a woman. They've also expect us to do that. Not only do they expect us to do that, they also have prayed for this. And not only have they prayed for this, but unfortunately, God did not answer their prayer. Now, to be fair, I've caught heat for defending Andy Stanley in the past, as, as Dr. Michael Brown has. To be fair, I've read doc, uh, uh, Andy Stanley's books. I, I, I uh, uh, Deep and wide, communicating for a change. Uh, I've heard him speak in person. I've met him. He's been nothing but gracious every time we've communicated. Uh, do for one. There's some really, 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 really good stuff he's done. So what he's going to say next, I think, is a bit, I think it's anchored on some faulty presuppositions. I think the conference is anchored on some falsy presuppositions. And we're going to get to those. And many are convinced that traditional marriage is not an option. So, Jesus-following gay people, they embrace chastity, another old-fashioned word. Amen. And they endure through that, they commit to that, and for some um, gay men and women, that is a lifelong commitment, and they, that is fine. Amen. That, this is what we would call side B, okay? There are people from uh, within the community who identify as, hey, I am a same-sex attracted. However, because I hold to a New Testament virtue ethic, I am submitting my sexuality in this way, and I'm going to choose to be celibate indefinitely. The side B folks in this conversation aren't often welcomed in these conversations with LGTV affirming folks. The side B folks often have to be quiet about their side B. They can't talk about the fact that they've chosen to be celibate onto the Lord, okay? These are not folks that are side X. Side X are folks who are, I was once upon a time, same-sex same attracted, but now I, I am heterosexual, okay? That's a different category, okay? And so Andy Stanley is talking about side B folks who've chosen that. He's not acknowledging, and this is, this is the part where he gets gaslighted. He's not acknowledging that there exists another arm of this of folks that were once upon a time uh, same-sex attracted that for whatever reason, miraculous move of God, therapy, heart change, are no longer living in that. They didn't just choose chastity or, or, or celibacy for a season. They are miraculously in heterosexual marriages with families. I know quite a few people like this that have engaged in LGTV intercourse and no longer do that. They, they, they're married, happily married with kids. Now, whatever expert is going to say, oh, they're suppressing it or, oh, it won't last. Well, folks married for decades. What, what families happily... I think these folks should be acknowledged. And so my issue with the unconditional conference is that were any of these folks platformed, if we're talking to people about how to minister to teens and young people and parents, were any of the folks who were side B and chose to be celibate for the rest of their life or side X and said, I'm no longer this, God changed my heart, God changed my desires. I mean, which, which by the way, there's a spectrum for everything in society, but this. That doesn't make any sense to me. It just has to be absolute and static. Yet you can have, you could change, you could you could change a gender, but this this is static. You could be non-binary, but this is binary. It doesn't make any sense to me. It, and so, like, why aren't those folks' uh, uh, experiences celebrated 
Why aren't those folks platformed in a conference that's intended to minister to people who are struggling with same-sex attracted? Why is there only seemingly, correct me if I'm wrong, why is there only seemingly folks who are platformed that are in these relationships? And you're saying, well, we disagree with them. They know we disagree with them. But, you know, we just want to uh, 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 gleam wisdom from them. That seems bi- that seems a little backwards to me. As he's seemingly affirming all the other stuff, the uh, folks who are celibate aren't platformed or... L- let's keep going. But for many gay people, that kind of life is not sustainable. So for many people who are same-sex attracted, that kind of life is not sustainable. Okay, so so here is here again. Here are some of the presuppositions here. The presuppositions here are the experts have decided that what isn't isn't sustainable, and the experts have decided that if you don't affirm a child in this, that they you know would you rather have this type of child or no child, right? You, you know I can't say the word, but you know where I'm going. So 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 we're going off of the experts' presuppositions on these things and submitting to the experts instead of saying, well, what. What is the standard of scripture? Yes, we should love people. Yes, we shouldn't disown people. Dr. Michael Brown talks about how he's after rebuke parents because they found out that their child was dealing with this and kicked their child out. And he's after rebuke parents publicly for this sort of stuff. Of course we love people. Of course we love uh, 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 children that may be going through this. But the out is, well, because it's not sustainable, they're going to make their decision anyway. And we're just not, we're not going to say anything about it. I mean, again, so now listen to what he says. Is this the plot twist? So they choose for same-sex marriage. So they choose for same-sex marriage. Not because they're convinced it's biblical. Okay, good. They choose to get married for the same reason many of you do. Because of love, companionship, and family. So they, so, so they choose to now participate in a same-sex ma- relationship in a marriage, not because they believe... It's biblical, but because they want companionship and it's unsustainable, and that's their decision to do so. I will never forget, and it's still emotional, what I'll say fast. Sitting in a circle of gay men, they were all 35 years and older, up to 65 years old. We've, we've had gay um, people who were, you know, gay groups, mostly of men, and we sometimes our staff would lead, and sometimes they would just form themselves. And when I would hear about it, I would always invite myself, say, hey, I would love to come meet guys and just sit on the group. I, I want to know what you think about our church. I want to know how we can help. And I sat with a group one time where they all just wept. You know why they cried? And we don't have family. We don't have family. We don't have family. That's why I tell pastors all the time. Until a piece of this breaks your heart, you're not ready to talk about it. So Gay Jesus followers, men and women, brought up in the church, love Jesus, know the Bible as well as you do or better, choose for a same-sex marriage. Because they want what we have, what you have. So, so here, what it sounds like he's saying, and I don't want to strawman him, is because they want a family and companionship, they may know the Bible better than we know the Bible. They may know the scriptures better than we know the scriptures. But because they want companionship and they want what we have, they're choosing to intentionally, or maybe not intentionally, maybe they maybe they disagree with this part of the Bible, or maybe disagree with North Point's position on this, even though it hasn't been very clear, and they're pursuing a same-sex relationship knowing that the Bible forbids it, and knowing now clearly that 
Andy Stanley co-signs all the passages in the New Testament and operating under the foundation that man, marriage is between a man, a man and a woman. Interesting. Love and So, in the end, um, as was the case with the rest of us, it's, it's their decision, right? It, we- is it, though? Is it, though? Is it is it their decision? Because you just said earlier that our body is not our own and we shouldn't be mastered by anything. In 1 Corinthians 5, and, and we can go there, but I'm pretty sure Andy's familiar, Paul takes the issue of sexual immorality within the context of the, of the church very seriously. Paul talks about sexual morality in the church and the kind that the pagans not even do, and then goes on to tell them that, hey, it's none of my business to judge those outside the church, uh, judge those within the church, and expel the wicked from among you. Don't even eat with someone that is unrepentant in practicing this. So I think this is the this is the roadblock that Andy runs into, even if I were to be just extremely charitable and say what he's saying is, we as a church hold this position. We as a church hold the position that, you 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 know, this is what biblical marriage is. This is God's design for things, yada, yada, yada. This is our position. But we still allow people to attend and maybe even serve and, I don't know, be in positions of leadership. And in that, is there never church discipline for it? Is there never—because you would discipline—I would hope you would discipline somebody that's outright cheating on their on their wife. I would hope you would discipline a dude that's in youth group, you know, fornicating. By discipline, I mean, like, sit him down for a season. Don't let him keep, I don't know, leading worship. I would hope there would be some sort of discipline, but for this, he's like, well, no, it's their decision, and they get to they get to still uh, participate amongst the church while uh, practicing something that ought not to be practiced. We, as a collective group of churches, we then have to decide how to respond to their decision. It's not our decision. It's their decision. Our decision is how to respond to their decision. And again, this is where, this is where I'm struggling. This is where I'm struggling, because if we go to— Right, right. The, the, before the passage of uh, these folks will not inherit the kingdom of God, right, which which we all know, and, and homosexuality comes up in that one. Before we, we we go there, the previous passage, it's a pretty harsh passage. It's hard, like it's hard. But I've had to do this with dudes that were cheating on their wife. Hey, bro, I cannot be in community with you any longer. You're out of control. I've we've, we we have as a church have have excommunicated people that were unrepentant. Uh, uh, and divorcing their wife without grounds. We've had to do that before, right? It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't friendly. So here in First Corinthians five, there's a dude that's sleeping with his father's wife. We we hope that this is his stepmom. We don't know. And so in First Corinthians five, if we go all the way down, he says, "When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin." Okay, so so again, there's a difference between I'm struggling with corn with fill in the blank same sex, whatever, fill in a blank, and indulging. There's a huge difference here. Okay, so he says, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. Paul's saying, look, we're not talking about those in the world. We're talking about those in the church. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, is greedy or worships idol, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. How does Andy reconcile this passage, man? I, and Andy, if you're watching this, I would love to hear hear from you. Hopefully, I've, you, if you believe I've been fair to you, I feel like I've been fair to you. I feel like Dr. Brown has been extremely fair to you. How do you reconcile this passage? Don't eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is my responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Again, willful, 
practice of sin. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil from among you. Earlier, he, he exemplifies that by, by saying, hand, hand him over to Satan, right? It's specifically the person that they're dealing with. He says, hand him over to Satan, right? If we look here, he says, yeah, you must throw out this man and hand him over to Satan. It's a hand, hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day of the Lord in returns. So the church discipline isn't because we're mean. The church discipline is actually so that this person would be handed over and hopefully comes back to the Lord. So if there's a dude on your worship team and he's the handsome, he's the handsome worship pastor that, oh man, if God had made me this good looking, I, I don't know. I don't know. God made me this looking. That's, that's, why I, that's why I keep sleeping with girls, bro. What do you want? I've, I've literally had people tell me this. God made me this good looking. That's why I keep sleeping with girls, right? And he's sleeping with people in the church, sleeping with other people on the worship team. What do you do? You got to sit him down and say, no, you can't keep doing this. If there's a dude in your church that's physically bringing harm to his wife, what do you do? You sit him down. You say, no, brother. You protect the wife and you sit him down. You 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 rebuke him. You you you. This is what church discipline is for. If someone is committing adultery, if someone is trying to divorce their wife without grounds, what do you do? You sit him down. So, if someone isn't just struggling with same sex attraction, waging war, wrestling through, trying to figure it out, but if someone's openly embracing their same sex attraction to the point where they are now in a relationship, I don't see how this doesn't apply to that. It's in the same category of sexual sin. It's not just that person's body. There's another body being impacted. As, as, as later on, Paul writes, all other sin is you're impacting your own body, but now you're impacting somebody else's body. It, 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 it's just, it's just, this is hard for me to reconcile how he's not seeing that. Let's, let's listen to a little bit more of that, and then I'll give you guys my final thoughts. And 28 years ago, 28 years ago, we decided. We decided we do not draw lines. We draw circles. Big circles. If someone desires to follow Jesus, regardless of their starting point, regardless of their past, and regardless of their current circumstances, our message is very simple. Come and see, and come sit with me. Amen. Uh, amen. Yes and amen. Yet, again, I'm not, I'm not, I am not trying to be the guy that beats up Andy Stanley. I don't know how you reconcile it with don't even eat with such people that are practicing sin. That's hard. I've had to live this out. That's hard. I've had to live this out. So yes, come and see. But at some point, we don't just let anyone keep rocking out in unrepentant sin. Why? Because it's harmful to them. It's harmful to the other person involved. And it's harmful to the rest of the body because it looks like we are now co-signing it. And this is not new. This is who we are. This is who we've always been. And this is who we will continue to be. And it's one reason why I'm so extraordinarily proud of our church. And it's by Okay. Platforming people at a conference about how to minister to kids and teens who are dealing with this. And so you have people that are diametrically opposed, allegedly, with your theology, according to you, Pastor Andy Stanley. They are diametrically opposed with your theology on this topic, yet you're platforming them. It would be like me, if we're, if we're just going to use a metaphor for a minute, just 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 follow along. There's a, there's a movement that I think is extremely pervasive right now in the health and fitness world, and I think it's extremely dangerous. And it's extremely counterintuitive. And the movement right now is it's called it's it's called food neutrality, which is oddly enough pushed by the food companies and and healthy at every size. Now, if I'm talking about fitness and health, and I'm saying, hey, within fitness and health, 
you know, there's all kinds of ways you can get there. You, you, you can, you, you know, you, you, you can do vegan. You can do keto. You can do paleo. You can just eat in a caloric deficit. You can, you can do a lot of things. But ultimately what you want to do is you're going to get in a caloric deficit. And quality of food matters. You want to eat nutrient-dense foods that are lower in calories. That's the easiest way. And so what we do here is we, we promote healthy amounts of, of protein, leafy greens, vegetables, and fruit. That's, the, that's, what, that's what we believe in here. Yes, ultimately, you want to be in a caloric deficit, but that's what we preach here. Now, I might get with someone that takes a slightly different approach, but I'm, what I'm not going to do is platform someone from the food neutrality side of things and say you can eat Rice Krispies and you can eat, you can eat processed foods and you can eat Pop-Tarts and you can eat stuff out of a box and you can eat fast food. And, you know, it's ultimately, it's ultimately about food neutrality because there's no such, thing, no such thing as bad food. Food neutrality, there's no such thing as bad food because, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just calories. And the truth is, no, we are diametrically opposed on this specific issue. I know you guys are like, Ruslan, how did you bring it back to food nutrition? I'm giving you, <laughs> I'm giving you guys a parallel that when someone starts saying something so outside the lines of what I would say is just healthy advice, when, when we're so far out, out of the lines of those folks, and now we're just saying you can, you can be healthy at every size, which is a lie. No, you can't. And you can eat whatever you want. You can eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter if you're eating Pop-Tarts for breakfast, Ego, uh, Lego My Egos for lunch, microwavable chicken from in a, in a box. You can eat whatever you want. You can eat fast food. I would say no. We're we're coming not just from two different paradigms. Now your now your practical application is different because I'm telling people they got to eat leafy green. They got to deny themselves, get off the sugar, get off the processed foods, and eat leafy greens and chicken and broccoli. And you're saying no, you can be healthy at every size, and you can eat whatever you want. We're we're on very different ends of the spectrum here, okay. And that's what it sounds like he's saying. That's, that's the type of parallel he's saying. We can still learn from them. No, there's nothing I can learn from someone that thinks you could be healthy at 300 pounds. There's nothing I can learn from someone that tells you you could eat Pop-Tarts every single day, and that's going to help you towards your fitness goals. We have very different uh, 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 views and very different predispositions. And it's confusing to people who are trying to wrestle through this. And, that, and that's my, my, my greater concern with the unconditional conference. So I don't know how, how he's going to reconcile all this on top of which the uh you know account of multiple elders who sat privately with him and said that he basically said the opposite of this he basically said the opposite of this he said that he would potentially do a same-sex marriage someday that uh same-sex attraction is that of a disability and so on and so forth we see according to the bible that prayer is extremely important in terms of us being transformed from the inside out when we get aligned with god's will I want you guys to implement these spiritual disciplines in your day-to-day life. And the only way I've been able to do this consistently is through writing down my prayers in a prayer journal that does a few things. One, it allows me to reflect and come to God humbly and ask Him to move on my behalf. And two, it allows me to document my prayers, which ultimately helped me remember the very things that I was praying for and see the hand of God tangibly in my life when He answers them. So I would urge you, consider writing down your prayers. It could be in a blank notebook. It could even be on your phone. Or you could check out the one I personally designed and used from my own quiet time and spiritual discipline that I think would be a huge blessing. It's the exact structure and system that I've used for years to pray and be more consistent in my spiritual disciplines. And here's the thing. With the hope to create a prayer movement, we've made the PDF version of this prayer journal completely free. So to get the PDF of our prayer journal completely for free, go to Bless God. 
pdf.shop 